Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining me on this episode. I want to give a special shout out to my friends in Southeast Asia who listen to the podcast there, places like Thailand, Cambodia, Japan, uh, Korea. We have listeners in various parts of that uh, section of the world, and I've heard that you guys have had some incredible rains this rainy season. Things have been quite wet, flooding and all of that, and so if you are listening in that part of the world, you are experiencing some of those rains, maybe some flooding, I pray God's blessing upon you, and I'm so glad you're here listening to the show and you're part of the Bible and Life family. Also, I want to give a shout out to all my patrons through my Patreon page. You guys are a massive blessing and encouragement to me, so thank you for your support. Most of you who listen to the podcast know that this is a listener-supported show, which means it is made possible through the generous donations of people who believe in this ministry and this work, and many of them support through the Patreon page, some support through World Family Mission, and whichever way you support Thank you so much. If you want to check out my Patreon page, I'll put a link to that down below. Patrons get a bonus podcast every month. They get discounts on my courses, or sometimes they get free courses depending on how uh, what level they're a patron at. And so you could swing over to my Patreon page. Consider being a, a patron of the Bible and Life podcast if that's something that you're of a mind to do and you've been really helped and encouraged by the po- this podcast. It is the patrons and the supporters of the show that make this ministry, make this podcast possible. And speaking of uh, listener-supported, if you haven't had a chance to check out the listener's commentary on the New Testament, man, swing over to the listenerscommentary.com, listenerscommentary.com. Again, I'll put a link to that down below. That is where I'm just teaching straight through Bible books, New Testament books, to Uh, help you really understand what they're about, what they really mean in their original context, and then how to live it out. So uh, I've got six books completed there already, um, and I'll begin working probably on one of the bigger books, Acts or Romans or something like that here fairly shortly. But I've got uh, six of the New Testament books done. Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, James, Colossians, Philemon are available Hours and hours of Bible teaching straight through those books that can really help you understand them. Totally free because that too is a listener-supported ministry. And so uh, you can get there at listenerscommentary.com, link down below. Check that out. Share that with your friends. Share that on social media. Let people know that that is available if they just want to understand what the New Testament books are actually saying. All right, in this episode of the Bible and Life podcast, I am going to dive in with a little bit of fear and trepidation to a topic that I think is especially pertinent at the present time in our world, particularly in my country, the United States, but it has benefit and applicability all around the world, wherever you live, to basically what does it mean to be the people of God at this present time in this world? How do we think about, how do we live as the people of God, particularly when it feels like we're increasingly out of place in our culture, in our community, in our society? So, I want to talk about on this episode three things about the church, politics, and being the people of God at this present time. hard with whether I should share some of these thoughts I'm about to share. 
mainly because uh, things are so contentious right now. It's it just like everyone has super strong feelings. You know, Christians have super strong feelings, and those feelings aren't always in agreement. Christians, you know, feel strongly about certain things going on in our country. And their, their opinions are diametrically opposed to other Christians who feel equally as strongly on the opposite side or the opposite direction. And I've had these conversations on the phone behind closed doors with people who are asking me what I think or my opinion or how they should think or what about or uh, fellow Christians expressing their frustration with other fellow Christians who are you know, have different opinions. So there's just lots of strong opinions right now. Things seem incredibly contentious. I'm talking about, well, you know, to mask or not to mask. That is the question, right? Like, that's one of those questions that people are, are strongly about. Some people feel like, man, if you're in large gatherings and you're not wearing masks, then what's wrong with you? And other people are like, if you're, you know, uh, wearing a mask, you're just a sheep and you're just letting the government tell you what to do. And Christian people have radically different opinions about that. They read different articles with different studies, and some say yes, and some say no, and some, right? And they have strong feelings, strong opinions on very different approaches to this. Uh, should churches defy the government and uh, just continue to meet like John MacArthur and others uh, there in California? Or should they follow the example of Andy Stanley over in Atlanta and say, we're just not going to have large group gatherings for the rest of the year. We're going to meet in smaller groups and do different things. So how do we approach that? And Christians have very strong feelings and some are coming out in favor and saying, I'm going to do everything I can to support those who are defying the government meeting. And others are like, no, I think we can find other ways to do ministry. And, and and there's tension between that and there's just so add to it that America here where I live is in a very contentious political season very contentious political season and some Christians feel like oh man we've got to right and there's all sorts of strong feelings right now uh, social unrest racial issues right and some feel very strongly one way on that so, right there's just so much happening in our world right now that is stirring up all sorts of strong feelings and not the same strong feelings be between Christians. Uh, that in and of itself is a really important topic. How do we as Christians relate to that? Some of what I, I'm going to say today will pertain to that. I just want to jump in and talk about three things that have been deeply on my mind that I've shared with other people, three things about being the people of God in this contentious, heated, politicized season that we are in. Three things about being the people of God. And here's the thing. I look at things that certain Christians are writing or posting on social media, and I, I'm kind of amazed. I'm kind of impressed. Like, man, it is amazing how many experts we have on all these topics within the church. I personally don't feel like an expert. I feel like some of these questions, some of these topics are complicated, difficult. There's things I think, man, I don't really know enough about that to, to be too dogmatic. And some people just feel like they've got the answers, apparently, from what I read on social media. And I, I, I have a lot more questions, okay? So I'm approaching this subject today from that, that posture of, there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot I don't understand. Um, I'm not always sure what the best course of action is. Should a church do this? Should a Christian do that? I'm not 100% certain on a lot of things about that. Uh, 
So the things I want to say today come from this posture of, I'm not 100% certain on everything, but I do know what the Bible teaches about certain things that I think have some relevance to us today, even if I don't totally see the best way always to apply those, right? So I want us to think about these things purely from a biblical perspective. I think as disciples of Jesus, the most important thing we can do is, is to sit humbly uh, prayerfully and honestly under the scriptures, listening to the scriptures, and then at least letting our heart set and our mindset be driven by that. And so that we come from this place of genuine prayer-filled humility as we try to engage with what's going on in our world. All right. So that's the, the heart. That's the posture that I'm coming from here as we talk about these three things. All right. So with that, by way of setup and introduction, here are three things about the church, politics, and being the people of God at this present time. Here's thing number one. Thing number one is uh, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of man or the kingdom of America. That we as God's people need to be driven by the kingdom of God. We need to be more concerned about the kingdom of God than we do the kingdom of America or the kingdom of man, whatever country you live in, the kingdom of uh, that particular kingdom. We need to be driven by, more concerned about the welfare of, the priorities of, the methods and the goals of God's kingdom in Jesus Christ. Again, I don't know 100% how that always plays out, but that's what's got to drive us. Like the values of God's kingdom, the, the ambitions of God's kingdom, um, that our hope has to be rooted in God's kingdom, not in America, not in our, our local government, whatever nation we're living in, right? Like if you're living in, in Great Britain, it's not your local government. If you're living in Canada, if you're living in Japan, like it, our hope has to be rooted in not what comes out of our nation's capital and our national government. Our hope has to be rooted in the kingdom of God and what God is doing in Christ. And our ambition has to be driven by that. Like we we want that kingdom to come. We want the will of God and God's kingdom to come to this world. And so we pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done. We're driven by that. And that shapes all our thinking, all our valuing, all our willing, all our longing that shapes our self-identity and our identity as uh, people in this world. Um, a passage that has meant a lot to me on that is out of Philippians chapter 3. In fact, I have a whole sermon on that on my YouTube channel, so I don't have time to actually go into all the details of this text. I just want to read it to us and and then think about a couple things. But if you want to know more about this text and what it actually means and how it should shape our understanding... Uh, go to uh, my YouTube channel. There's a playlist called Sermons, and you can find my my sermon on Philippians chapter 3 there in that playlist. But the passage says this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 and following. I just want to read this whole passage so you can hear the context, and then I want to focus on verse 20. It says this, For many walk, of whom I've often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, right? Like they live for their own appetites, whose glory is their shame. They revel in and boast about things they ought to be ashamed of, who set their mind on earthly things. They set their mind on the kingdoms of this world, on the values of this world, on the goals of this world, on acquiring the things of this world. But he says, verse 20, this is the part I really want you to pay attention to, our citizenship is in heaven, 
and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that. Our citizenship is in heaven. And he's playing clearly off the Philippian situation. They were in northern Greece, but they, they were a... Uh, they were a colony of Rome, and they had the highest honor as a colony of Rome, the Ius Italicum. So he's clearly playing off of that. Just like you're a little bit of Rome there in northern Greece, well, as a, a church, you're, you're like a colony of heaven here on earth. And you need to act like, think like, be driven by the, the culture of heaven here on earth, not the culture of earth, not the aims of earth. And so in your life together as God's people, it's the culture of heaven that needs to be fleshed out among you. That's what he's saying. Um, and so your citizenship is in heaven. And so you're, you're going to be excited about, uh, proud about, live for, identify with, and be driven by the very culture of God's kingdom in heaven. Because ultimately that's king, that kingdom is what's going to last forever and ever, right? Like someday his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're looking forward to. Um, and so that's what drives us. Um, the way I've often asked the question is this, is um, in my context here in America, this is the way I would ask it. And you could ask it for your country as well. It's this, are you a, uh, an American who happens to be a Christian? Or are you first and foremost a Christian who just happens to live in America? Or if you're in Canada, are you a Canadian who happens to be a Christian? Or are you a Christian who just happens to live in Canada or Japan or Great Britain or France or South Africa or wherever you're listening from? Which kingdom shapes your will, your identity, your values, your thinking? Are you first and foremost a Christian who just happens to live in whatever country you find yourself in so that you are being shaped by the culture of heaven way more than the culture that you find yourself living in? Um, now, how does that play out in this present time? Again, I don't know all the details of this, but when we start talking about um, our rights and defending our rights, Guess what? That's more of a kingdom of America thing than a kingdom of God thing. And so when we hear that stuff coming out of our mouth or we hear that spinning around in our heads, guess what? We should stop. We should get on our knees. We should examine ourselves and we should examine what's really driving us. Or when we take to Facebook or Instagram, Twitter or whatever social media platform is our our you know, what we're all about, and we take to social media to spout off our views, and we do so with a spirit of superiority, and we run down our fellow Christians. Man, I've seen so much of that, and that raises red flags for me. Like, some of the conversations that, that are, are being put out there on social media, they need to be had, but I just don't think social media is the, the place to do that. Um, and, and then when we do have those conversations, we need to do so with graciousness, with humility, with Christian love and charity, where we recognize we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we need to really hear each other. We may not always see eye to eye, but we need to love each other, right? We need to get rid of arrogance, self-will, and anger and impatience. Um, and we need to make sure we're being driven by the kingdom of God in Christ, not by the kingdom of whatever country we're living in. So that's thing number one. Wow. We're already like 15 minutes into this podcast. We've only got through thing number one. I better pick up the pace. Uh, thing number two is uh, this idea of doing good. Doing good. 
this is like First Peter, one of the major themes of First Peter. I mentioned this uh, a little bit in the podcast on uh, honoring the king from a few weeks ago, so you could listen to that there if you want some more of my thoughts on that. But in in the letter to First Peter, Peter is writing to Christians who maybe they've experienced some out and out violence and persecution in the form of violence against them. But for the most place, they're experiencing just social displacement, social pressure. Uh, they're you know they may be uh, losing business because the local trade guild uh, isn't going to support them anymore and promote them anymore and has ostracized them because they won't you know demonstrate their allegiance to the token god the patron god of that trade guild because they won't offer incense in his name and they you know at the at the trade guild banquet they won't uh, participate because of their their belief that Jesus is lord and that god is not right and so they're losing uh, they're losing some business they're experiencing some social displacement some ostracization right they're, they're just expressing all sorts of social pressure because of their faith that's making life hard on them they they're out of place i think man increasingly in, in our world, that's what we're experiencing. Not out and out violence against us, but some social displacement. Our, our opinions, our values, our ideas are looked at as odd and weird and out of place. People don't respect uh, the Christian thinking and Christian way of life like they did 50, 60 years ago. And so we're experiencing that, increasing that, that kind of hostility, that kind of social displacement. How do we respond? One of the major things of First Peter is this idea of doing good, doing good. You lose it in some of the translations because sadly they translate it doing right. But doing right has a different connotation in a different field than doing good. It actually means something different. Doing good includes doing right. Like um, doing good includes being virtuous, ethical, right? Uh, doing what is right. But doing good is more than just doing right. So it includes that, but it's bigger than that. It's being known as a, a good person. It includes benevolence. It, in, it includes kind-heartedness. It includes being known for being helpful and useful and being a good citizen, a good member of the neighborhood, a good member of the community. That's the idea of doing good. Man, I wish we had so much more time to talk about this and walk down through First uh, Peter. We just don't. But uh, let me just read a tiny bit. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says this. Uh, he's just laid out how we're the people of God. We're God's new temple, right? We've been called out of darkness to declare his marvelous light. Then he says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as alien and strangers, right? Your identity isn't here. You're not at home here. This isn't your world. This isn't your your culture. This isn't your country or your homeland. Your homeland is heaven. So you're an alien and a stranger here. Uh, so I urge you as alien and strangers to abstain from fleshly desires which wage war against the soul. They assault the soul. So abstain from them. Put distance between yourself and those things. Don't get caught up in those things. Keep your behavior uh, excellent or better. Your way of life, behavior there has the whole idea of your whole manner of life, your whole approach to life. You're the whole tone, tenor, conduct, way of life, uh, excellent among the Gentiles. That would be virtuous, excellent, praiseworthy among those non-believers, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day he visits us. That's the whole 
that that theme then begins to direct everything Peter says for the next handful of paragraphs that let your good deeds as they observe them. What do you have in mind, Peter? And he immediately goes into uh, honoring the king, submitting to the governing authorities. Talked about that a few weeks ago on that podcast. You can listen to that to get the, the whole uh, details on that. But he talks about that. that and then he says that, um, that the government is given for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do what's right. And again, that word do right is literally do good. Um, it's praising people who do good, are useful, helpful, benevolent, kind, good citizens, right? It's for the praise of people that do good. Um, for such is God's will, in verse 15, that by doing good, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. That's what we should be known for as God's people. It's God's will that we should be known as people who do good in town, do good in the neighborhood, do good in the community. And there's so much that can be said. He goes into talking about servants and how they do their work, that they should be uh, known as those who do what's good. And if you suffer even for doing what's good and patiently endure it, man, that finds favor with God. And so when people who are in authority aren't always reasonable and aren't always helpful and yet you're still doing good and you suffer you suffer for it and you patiently endure it that finds favor with me he talks about wives and husbands uh, and all of that in that context and he continues to tell us don't return evil for evil or insult for insult but give a blessing instead because you were called to that that you could you should give a blessing and be a blessing uh, to the community to the world like we're supposed to be a blessing don't have time to go into any more. You need to read it. You need to read First Peter. You need to look for that theme of doing good. And remember, when you see do right, that's more doing good, which includes moral living and virtuous living, ethical living, but it also includes benevolence, kind-heartedness, helpfulness. Your neighbors should look at you and think, man, even if I think your beliefs are weird and odd, you are a good neighbor and helpful and kind. You're the best neighbor I've ever had, right? In your, your community, uh, the church and Christians should be known as useful, helpful, benevolent, kind-hearted people in the community who can be counted on to do good, right? That's the way we should think about it, is doing good, doing good, doing good, that we should be good members of the community. We should have a reputation for that. In fact, Peter in chapter 4 says, Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust themselves to a faithful creator and continue to do what's good. That's what we should be known for in town. We should be known as those who do good, helpful, benevolent people. And we just trust ourselves to God and figure if we suffer for it, if things don't go our way, if people are unreasonable, that's all right. God's in charge. He's watching over us. We're going to continue to do what's good and be known as those people who are helpful, useful, good in town. All right, that's thing number two. Now, let's talk about thing number three. And it really plays out of that. When Peter tells us that we should do good um, and let our behavior be excellent, be known for our good deeds, he's really echoing Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And Peter is intentionally echoing that. That's where he gets this idea. That's Jesus' recommendation. My people, Jesus is saying, ought to be known for their good deeds, their benevolent, kind-hearted, useful deeds. That's how they're going to glorify God in town. And notice that in context is how we let our light shine. That's how we be a city set on a hill, is by our good deeds. 
And if, if we want to really honor God at the present time, then we need to be a contrast city to uh, this world. We need to present a, a different way of doing life, right? Like we need to be a city set on a hill that shows a contrast. What's another vision for humanity? So here's what I think. Thing number three is this. It's like we should put our efforts and our energy first and foremost into being a city set on a hill. We should put our efforts first and foremost as God's people to um, really being a contrast city within our city, a city within our city that says, here is another vision of humanity. Here's another vision of doing life. Here's another vision for the way we should interact as human beings. Here's another vision for equity and justice for all. Like we should be a city set on a hill. And I, I just am deeply convinced that if we would turn our attention and say, I'm going to put the vast majority of my effort and energy into helping the people of God actually live out a different way, man, we would our light would shine in a much better way. I don't know what all that means. I just feel like there is so much energy, so much emotional energy, so much effort, so much loud voices going towards fixing, at least here where I live, fixing the kingdom of America. And I just wonder, what would it look like if we took the vast majority of that energy and said, how about, how about we, we made, made it our greatest effort for the people of God to say, okay, that's fine. If you guys want to do life that way and you're corrupt and broken, but here's a, here's a different way. Here's another way. Here's a more just society, a more just city. And we as the people of God provided a contrast city within the cities in which we live. And I just think we might be a better city set on a hill than what we're doing right now. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't do good in our society. That doesn't mean we don't work to bring justice and righteousness to our society. It doesn't mean we don't do that. It just means that first and foremost, we ourselves recognize let's be a just society right here within the church, within the people of God. Let's be a city set on a hill by doing what's right uh, and uh, loving mercy and uh, doing justice and walking humbly with our God within the church among God's people. Let's pour our greatest energy into that so that the, the watching world could say, man, I, I think those beliefs are weird, but I like the way they're doing life together. I like what they're, what they're showing us about how to love one another. And maybe then, maybe just then, they might glorify God because we're a city set on a hill. Well, that's some of my thoughts on the present time. Do with them what you want. Uh, I pray that you'll sit humbly with God and you will think about what it really means to be the people of God at this present time. I pray that uh, as God's people, we will first and foremost be driven by God's kingdom. We will seek to do good in the neighborhood and in the towns in which we live and that we as the church could actually provide a contrast uh, city, a city set on a hill for the watching world to see a different vision of what life together as human beings could actually look like. That's my hope. That's my prayer. I pray it helps you and encourages you as well. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Bible in Life podcast. Um, have a great week in Christ. I look forward to talking to you.